everyone. Welcome to The Lifted Podcast. I'm your host, Talon Denham, and this is a place for us to talk about what we're doing every day to raise our vibration and understand ourselves more deeply as energetic beings and co-creators. All right, everybody, welcome to another episode. If you're new to the show, I'm so happy that you're here. I'm Helen, I'm a mindset mentor for women. I teach meditation, make music, lots of things going on over here. And as always, if you've been with me for a while, I just wanna say that I love you, I see you, I really appreciate you and your presence. And we've got another great conversation ahead of us. So I was just polling our Instagram community a few days ago and I was like, did anybody else have just like a really rough last week? I don't even know how to explain it or put my finger on it. But the week leading up to this one was one of the most difficult energetically I've had in a very, very long time. And, you know, I usually turn to astrology or just try to figure out what's going on. But I think it was just me and us, you know, hitting this interesting point of evolution uh, within ourselves and observing, you know, where we could expand, get out of our comfort zones and where we really needed to face parts of us that were asking to be released and outgrown. So for me, that really looked like knowing my worth much more deeply. And it's so funny because whenever I'm teaching something on this, like I was teaching a workshop called Falling in Love with Yourself the other day. And, you know, I find that the universe will test me when I'm about to teach something big like that. So it was really saying, okay, Helen, if you're going to tell people and teach them how to love and honor and respect themselves, we're going to just make sure that you're authentically in that place. Okay. So yeah, I kind of got put through the ringer in an interesting way in a very kind of simple way, but something that um, was just very impactful feeling to me. So basically, I just started to look at where in my life I was placing people on pedestals, where I was kind of playing a comparison game, but really uh, in a very much of a people pleasing mode. So I had a point where I just was able to take some people off of these pedestals that I had placed them on and stop groveling really for attention or affection um, and just know my worth and know how I deserve to be treated and respected. And so I set some interesting energetic boundaries with as much grace and as much love as I could um, in a couple instances over the last week. And um, it wasn't anything dramatic or anything like that. But for me, it was definitely a shift. It was like, whoa, all of a sudden I stepped up in my worth and um, I knew what I deserved on a whole nother level and I was willing to speak it into existence and step into that higher self. This is what I always mention when I'm taking you all through meditations together is that when we visualize the highest self, when we bring them forth, the highest self is not separate from us in any way. It's just a vibration, a frequency that we tap into. So in these moments where we are called to expand our worthiness and remember it, really remember it more deeply and peel back those layers, that's when we're connecting with our highest self because the highest self is the one that is most deeply rooted in that confidence, that deep knowing, uh, that deep place of self-worth and reverence for your experience. So that's kind of what I moved through. And then it was like all the little kind of feathery things on top, like my car was just having so many issues. I was going through these crazy travel ups and downs, but it's all okay. You know, and it was it was kind of a humbling experience because it really puts to the test the tools that you have, uh, the tools that we have available to us. Like, okay, what happens when shit hits the fan? 
we got to breathe. We got to create more space to relax into it and to kind of lean into the difficulty and just ride it out. Like let it happen. Um, yeah, scream into a pillow if you need to. I did that. And I don't remember the last time I did that. I was actually so wound up that I needed to release it through a yell into a pillow. So anyways, we're on the other side of that. But I think it's important to kind of chat about this for a moment, because in the spiritual community, it can seem like we always have to have it together, or we're not like, quote unquote, enlightened, and it's like all perfect, and everything's great all the time. And um, I think there's a harmony to be had between being a very optimistic person and trusting that everything is unfolding for us, while also still having this human experience of uh, feeling frustration and feeling every emotion that comes up with our experience. So, you know, the trick is to be able to move through that and have the through line be that trust, be that peace that, you know, you always come back to that point. Even if you're wavering all over the line, you're going to come back to that that point, that through line. So that's my little ramble as we begin. Hopefully some of that made sense (laughs) or hopefully that uh, connected with you in a way that you feel more seen and like your experiences are understood because I'm with you if you had a weird week, but we're rounding a corner today on this uh, Tuesday evening. It's the summer solstice. So a beautiful time to set your intentions for the summer months, all this light energy coming through. It's also the beginning of cancer season and um, I'm a cancer, so I'm very much at home and happy and reflecting on what my my next year is going to look like in general. So thinking a little bigger. All right, guys, without any further ado, I'm so excited to bring you this conversation with my buddy Tess Paul. Martinez. She is an intuition and authenticity mentor. She's a speaker, meditation and sound healing facilitator. She does workshops. She teaches about wellness and she really offers a path to reaching your authentic self and activating your intuition. She believes that you can become more aligned with your highest self by prioritizing your mind, body and spirit holistically. Completely Golden is her brand and it's the culmination of Tess's desire to create beauty in the world while gaining a deeper connection and understanding of our existence. So I know you guys are going to love this one. We really go in some interesting directions from angels to intuition to social media all over the place. It's such a wonderful conversation that we have. So enjoy. As always, you can find us on Instagram. I'm at Helen Denham underscore and Tess is at completely golden on Instagram. So DM us, hit us up, let us know what you're learning as you listen. And of course, send it along to a buddy if you feel like they could benefit from what you're hearing. All right. Talk to you on the flip side. So the first question I always love to ask guests is how do you like to start your day off? Do you have any rising routines or rituals that you go to? I have a solid morning routine every day. I wake up at different times of day, depending on what is ahead of me. But the first thing that I always do is I have this beautiful rug and my three singing bowls and all of my Oracle cards. And so I sit, I have like a little buckwheat cushion and I sit in Lotus pose and I connect to my angels, drawing them in, connecting to that really high frequency of love calling in my ancestors, my inner children, my highest self, that divine support. I usually am open to whatever messages they want to show me through. I have three decks that I work with usually, but sometimes I'll have a specific question or just something that I'm either resisting or need clarity on and pull the cards. Once I get that message, I do some journaling And then I play my sound bowls because it really helps me to integrate and embody that message on a deep cellular level. 
Beautiful. So when you talk about like connecting with your angels, connecting with your ancestors, how do you receive their energy and how do you feel that and perceive that coming through for you? I've always been really connected to them, but it's not until recent, I would say last November is when I really consciously started working with them. And that's because I connected with angelic intuitive Taylor Page, and she's local in LA as well. And she just was like, you are an angel. And having that recognition it's like I felt my wings reattached to my body. And since then, I just, I talk to them out loud and I really trust that they're there. If I ever need anything, I pray, I breathe. That's a big thing. Just like breathing and allowing their presence to drop in. And for me, it's like a, it's like an expansive kind of tingling feeling. I get down my arms and I really feel, it's almost like the air, this sounds a little <laughs> esoteric, but it's like the air shifts a little bit and like the charge of the ions around me is shifting and I can really feel that they're right there with me. And that goes for my angels, my ancestors, spirit guides, which I believe are different than angels and, and my inner children, anyone that I'm calling forth. Connecting with them is going to look different for everyone, but I really learned that the more you just decide that they're there and that you have that connection, the stronger it'll be. I love that so much, Tess. And it's so interesting, you know, we've hung out uh, before and I love doing podcasts with people because I get to know you on such a deeper level. So it's so interesting to know about your journey. But I really love what you're talking about with the physical sensations that you feel because there's like this yin to the yang to everything. I know a lot of us have felt like spirit come in that in the past might even have felt like scary or unsettling and we can feel the hair raise on our arms or something. So it's like there's such a element of that when we unite our like physical bodies with the, the, the quantum realm in a way that really tangibly comes in. So I love this kind of flip side, like you can feel them and it's benevolent energy. It's really beautiful energy and welcoming that opening up to it. And I know you said, you know, your spirit guides come in a little differently from your angels. So how does that come in for you? They all arrive in the same way, but I feel that their purpose is different. And so angels are really there with that love, gratitude, support, just I am going to hold you. And in my personal belief, there is like unlimited amount of angels. They don't really identify as a person per se. We put that, we project that onto them. Spirit guides are kind of like, if you could imagine an angel with a clipboard, <laughs> <laughs> like they're here to like really guide you. That's their name, spirit guide. It's that like, oh, maybe don't go here. Or like, how about this? Or putting those little barriers or signs in front of you and really trying to help guide you. Whereas angelic support is just, I love you. I love you unconditionally. There's nothing that you could you do to, to disappoint me or make me upset. I just am this endless love and patience. Mm, beautiful. And then your tarot card practice, like what, what drew you to working with tarot and Oracle cards and how have you found that you're revealing yourself to yourself as you use this practice? I love symbolism. I just, 
it's like the thing that I've been most jazzed about, I think my whole life, ever since I was little, I even went to art school and I would make wallpaper and I would find different symbols or I'd create them and then repeat them into patterns. And so I've always been kind of attuned to it, like on the lookout subconsciously. When I, I first came across Oracle cards and I started using them as just like playing around, like what, what is this? And maybe just like picking up a deck and flipping over the top card. It's definitely evolved. And more recently I've started learning about tarot because I got a deck that is an Oracle deck, but then she links every card to the major arcana in the tarot. So I can cross reference and I got this amazing Tashin. It's like, it's so thick. It looks like a, something you get in college. It's like a really thick reference book of tarot and it's so beautiful. And so I've been diving in and in my morning practice, I just created a post for this for people that the three elements I think are really important are being able to tap in and be still with yourself, kind of like a self-discovery, having some sort of expression, and maybe that is journaling or movement, and then a component of learning, because I think opening your mind, shifting your perspective, when you're learning something new, you're increasing your neural plasticity capabilities. So having those three factors, and so learning about tarot is definitely part of that for me. Oh, I love that so much. Tarot too is like, it really is a study, isn't it? There's so much to learn through that. Like what phase are you in right now? I feel like I'm very much a beginner. I'm like, I almost avoid tarot because it really is a study and I go toward Oracle, but I'm excited to learn more about tarot. Like where are you on your journey with tarot now? I mean, talk about symbolism and like depth and layers. And I would say I'm still in the 101 phase, tarot yeah. 101. And it's, I'm really, because I'm more connected to the Oracle deck, I'm mostly focusing on the Major Arcana because the other cards tend to have this predictive or foreboding energy to them. And I don't, being connected so closely with my angels, I don't really align with that energy. I want only that really affirmative, affirmational type of message. I also, just like in my previous past, I had a very toxic relationship and my ex was really into tarot and he would use that as a manipulation. And I really kind of felt this repulsion to it for a long time. It felt really scary and like I didn't trust it and I didn't trust people who read tarot. It was that was like a deep ingrained subconscious belief for me. So leaning into oracle cards was kind of like the scapegoat. But now that I'm making my own practice with tarot, I'm able to like peel back those layers, make it work for me. And in this book, they reference all these different tarot artists people that make their own decks and everybody has their own take on the tarot. It's not just a one and done. And so then that opens up the possibility of, oh, well, actually I feel this when I pull that tarot card and really make it what works for you. Mm, there's so much in there. Yeah. 
There is a deck that I have in mind. I always am like hesitant to pull from it because it has cards in there that are like resentment or hostility or like, like things that just make me feel like scared to pull from the deck and like really dense. And I've always been like, well, am I just being avoidant of reality and like, don't want to pull these cards, but I feel it. It's very refreshing to hear you say that because we don't need to pull that energy in. And there are other decks that just like give you such specific, beautiful grounding guidance that's still rooted in so much truth and honesty and it's not bypassing, but it's it's more expansive and more compassionate almost, or just gets you into that higher frequency. So um, now I'm reconsidering this deck. It's very interesting. <laughs> you can always pull out what deck, what cards you don't like. And those cards can sometimes be really helpful to illuminate things that you might not be aware of and really practicing not taking it so personally or what could be an alternate perspective of this? I was just doing a clarity reading with a client this week and I pulled the death card. Mm -hmm. And I, I prefaced, I like stopped before I told him what I pulled. And I said, all right, just to reiterate, we are both here with our angels. We are connected to the highest frequency of love. There is nothing predictive. There is nothing negative. I did pull the death card. <laughs> It was like, it was like earnest almost like, okay, I'm going to hold on to what you just said and like believe that that's not a bad omen. But really when I felt it for him specifically, it was, where was he not letting go of past cycles? Where was he holding on to something and trying to keep it alive rather than letting it, letting it go and letting it transform into something else? And he really had this amazing perspective shift of even instead of looking at the things within himself as i don't like that i want to get rid of it i need to heal or fix myself to how can i be a knight and defend the honor of my soul and i just was like damn like way to take the death card and then pull it into like total loving supportive compassionate i love that you said that word that energy. So yes, again, you can like make it your own, make it work for you and you don't have to be scared of it. Yeah. That death card totally needs like a preface before it gets pulled. Now I've come to really welcome it because it's like exactly like the death of an old paradigm or what patterns can we release? The one that I really have resistance around is the tower card, like everything like falling apart even more than the death card. So maybe that's actually a signal to work with it, which kind of leads into that other layer of like, if it's triggering you, that's something to look at in itself. Like what's, what's even bothering you about the card pull in general, but it's more like yeah, I, I think back to what you said exactly, like pulling a card that almost like casts a spell of negativity, like beware of like something terrible is going to happen. Those are the cards. I'm like, I'm, I don't claim that. That's not going to happen. Everything's working out for us. This is, I'm not going to call in that energy. So yeah, choose every deck has such a different personality. But okay, switching topics, because I'm so curious to know about how you even entered the healing world. What drew you to this space and to the work that you're doing now? Take us back as far as you'd like. Oh, it's going back. We're going back, guys. Buckle up. <laughs> so I was a, I am a highly intuitive person. I have the gift of claircognizance. I can read energy in people. Since I was very, very small, I would have entities visiting me. Um, I also have premonition dreams where I will dream and then it happens exactly as it, I dreamt it. And it was my mom. I love my mom. She 
I'm so glad because she's very spiritual and she was very open to it to a certain degree. And she was part of a large family and not all of them could really grasp those concepts. And I remember being small. It was during the summer and I came out, my aunt, we were all on vacation. My aunt was sitting on the couch. Oh, good morning. And I was like, morning. And I started to tell her my dream and she didn't believe me. She thought I was making up a story. And as a small five-year-old, we internalize those things of, oh, I'm not going to be loved. I'm not going to have the support of my family if people think I'm a liar. And so I stopped communicating that and I almost started to suppress that. I would, if I had those dreams, I would just try to forget them as quickly as possible. I wouldn't tell anybody about them. As I got older, I would say in my early 20s is when I really started having an influx of ghosts and energies from the universe coming to me and experiencing sleep paralysis, experiencing them physically touching me. And I remember I was in the bathroom of a fast food restaurant one day drying my hands and it was a single bathroom and some something just pulled me from behind and I literally like was pulled backwards. And I just said like, okay, have a good day. And I just like left as fast as possible. And when, for me, I didn't, I didn't have the support. I didn't have somebody to go to and say, this happened, what do I do? So I just was scared and I tried to avoid it. I really tried to like shut down my power, my superpowers. And I started just losing my intuition. It was, it was almost like it was dissipating. It was because they're all connected. And if one thing goes, then the other thing is going to go. And I really had to learn boundaries. Boundaries are like so important in so many areas. We need boundaries with ourselves, with our loved ones, with money and the energies of the universe. So stating those boundaries and calling in the support of your angels, your spirit guides, that team of high frequency love to kind of have your back. And sometimes if I'm feeling a little vulnerable at night, I will call in my angels and I imagine four of them standing at each corner of my bed and they spread their wings out like a canopy. And I say, like, please remove anything that is not attuned to your highest frequency of love. Do not let anything enter my dream space because that started happening as well. And just having and feeling that support is really important when, when and if you're embarking on this. So this is all like in my personal life. When I was 26, I got my yoga teacher training certification and that was really my first personal dive into spirituality. I was maybe more agnostic prior. And through this training, I, it opened me up to, oh, the chakra system and, oh, there are mantras and we can do, you can do it like this, or you can do it like that. And I still was not connecting spiritually in my career. I was a store owner. I had a house plant and kitchen and garden store in upstate New York. And then that was open for four years, transitioned. I started, I went to nutrition school and then I started cooking for people, private events, retreats, 
pretty soon I opened a restaurant for an investor and then I started cooking for celebrities. This is all in upstate New York. I got to a point where it just wasn't, I wasn't feeling good. I wasn't feeling happy. I knew that I wasn't fulfilling my purpose. I was having a really hard time with money. I was in a, another toxic relationship and I just got this strong gut pull that I needed to leave and I needed to take a solo cross country road trip. And so I sold everything. I got in my car, I drove across the country, visiting all these different places, got to LA. It just was like, yes, this is where I need to be. I, because I was working in that field, obviously this is the celebrity Mecca. And I started cooking for clients really fast here. And while it's like alluring, it's like a cool job. It's a real like ego booster type of job. I felt like a cool girl, just even on the dating profiles being like, I'm a celebrity chef. And it, it wasn't authentic, obviously, because I'm, I'm not there anymore, but my body gave out. My mm. body was like, uh, uh, this is not happening. And I ended up in the ER and then a six month health journey unfolded. And I just had surgery two weeks ago. All is good, it was all taken care of. And I'm so grateful I have the support of my angels, definitely my ancestors, we can talk about that possibly. Um, but in, the, in that six months, I lost all of my clients because they didn't want to wait for me, which fine. And I lost all of my money. So I was now had no job, had no career, knew that I couldn't actually physically do that job. Even if I found new clients, all of my money was gone and I was very sick. And so I just really leaned into my spiritual practice, that morning practice that I described. I started meditating every day and I started sound healing and sound healing is I believe really what took care of that whole issue um, health-wise for me, just the, the frequency and the vibrations of them. And then I thought, why? Like, this is part of me so deeply. This is part of me since I was a baby. And it's always something that I've hidden. It, I never talk about it with other people. I am a little bit scared of what people will think if, the, if, if I'll be like banished, that witch wound came up. Yeah. And I just decided I have nothing else to lose. <laughs> and I'm being shown so clearly that this is what I need to do. I actually had another reading with, with Taylor, the angel intuitive, and she was like, have you ever considered doing readings? And I was like, um, no, that's crazy. And she was like, well, your angels are like telling me 100% that's what you're supposed to be doing. And I was like, really? And so I started testing it out and playing with it. And the results were just like amazing. And so I've leaned into that and here we are. Yeah. Amazing. It sounds like you went through this almost like dark night of the soul initiation phase that like was a required purging so that you would end up here in your, in your purpose and relieving that fear that you had instilled as a child. So 
in coming into your gifts again and being brave enough to embrace them again, was there anything that helped you build that trust in knowing that it would be okay to start working in this realm again? Like what was that shift for you where you were like, okay, I'm going to explore this. It's going to be okay and lean into it. Mm -hmm. When I look back through my life, I am, and I have been told this as well, that I really enjoy risk. Mm -hmm. I, I love taking risks and I can really, I'm a manifesting generator in human design. And so I'm a chameleon. I can reinvent myself. Uh, one of my main uh, totem animals from First Nations is the ant energy. And the energy behind the ant is that they, one, they can carry immense amounts. And two, they will rebuild as often as needed. Because if you think about an ant home, somebody walks by, an animal lays on their ant hill, it rains, the wind blows it the wrong way. They're constantly having to maintain the tunnels of their home and rebuilding it. And that really gives me a lot of comfort because I know that about myself. I know that I'm always evolving and reaching that next level and that I can do it and that I'm supported. And so many times in my life I've jumped off of these big cliffs and it's always really scary and people I think in general we don't we have we're uncomfortable in that void space not being able to see what's next but I always it's almost like a giant hand just like comes out of nowhere and catches me mid-air and, and it's like you're good here we go on to the next thing so taking that leap was like, all right, I'm gonna do it again. And <laughs> it wasn't so scary aside from, I like really have no money. And I actually was making a joke, trying to make myself feel better about that purge. Like you said, it was like, I had to see every single dollar that I earned from my previous career disappear so that I could then rebuild it. Like I couldn't have a single dollar left that was attached to that energy and wow. that really, that really really happened so i where did i begin i began with the podcast mm. yep and i was having a, a that famous love hate relationship with instagram that every single person goes through and i was like i'm so intuitive i know this about myself i know that i have so much to share but as soon as I need to attach that to a picture and then dilute a message into a typed paragraph underneath that picture and then post it and maybe 15 people are going to see it like it just waters it down. So what could I do to just speak clearly and the podcast and I was like alright i'm going to learn how to do a podcast and I did and that's still running and it's evolving and. I've been having on a lot of guests and then I realized that the whole point was for me to share my own voice. And so I'm stepping more fully into solo episodes, which is really scary. And then I started with my sound healing, my singing bowls and uh, doing weekly sound healing meditations on Instagram and just putting that, it was like one little step in front of the other, like, does this feel safe? Does this feel okay? Do I even enjoy doing it like this? Mm. Do the people respond if I put it out there in this way, which I think is the least important of all of those things, but it is still something to consider. 
And then the clarity readings just like started taking off and back to what Taylor said, she was like, your angels are saying you're supposed to be doing readings. And when I'm doing a reading, it is like, I just become alive in this whole other way that I've never experienced and seeing the transformation and the expansion and the emotion that my clients are, are traversing during these readings is, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. It sounds like you were building your trust muscle in a big way. Like I love that you bring up risk because I feel like that's the most valuable thing that we can do is lean into the unknown, take that risk. And we do have to build the trust muscle though, to know like, okay, it's been okay this time. I know it'll be okay next time. I'm just going to risk it and we'll see what happens. But then absolutely. I feel the same way working with clients. Like when you see the change that they experience, it's almost like looking in a mirror in some ways. Like when you give a session, you receive a session in so many ways, because to see them evolve, to trust themselves more deeply and to trust the universe more deeply are like, whoa, I can see this person actually experiencing the depth of change. And so I'm giving myself permission to do the same thing. So that's amazing. And I think so many of us can relate to that money story. I mean, I've been there too. And like, it's like an ebb and flow. And it's like, it seems to be very deeply rooted in, in worthiness in the next phase of your life, like giving yourself permission to lean into that worth and that safety test in a way, again, to like check in with your nervous system and get curious and explore like your blueprint in a more honest way. And like we get tested in, in interesting and very difficult ways a lot of the time really really spot on i was just doing uh, my business mentorship yesterday morning and it came up of like where it where what is the connection there between this money story because you mentioned the ebb and flow all right guys popping in for a moment to let you know that i'm now offering completely free 30 minute power sessions with me so this is for those of you who have been curious about working with me in my one-on-one -on -one mentorship series but would just like some more clarity about what we'd be doing we can get to know each other clear up any questions for you and it's really a potent activation in these 30 minutes i take a threefold approach to working with you first we are addressing your pain point we're really taking a look at what you're moving through emotionally. Number two, we're alchemizing it. So we are moving through that stickiness and that shadow with love and curiosity. And number three, we are moving toward alleviating that pain using some beautiful techniques. So if this is pinging your curiosity and calling you forward, I've left a link in the description below for you. And you can always visit HelenDenham.com to learn more about uh, my offerings. All right. So thanks so much for tuning in back to the episode. It's almost like the opposite, like before a tsunami, when the ocean pulls back so far that it reveals the bottom of the ocean. Mm. It's like a, a deep, like a bigger, mo more exaggerated ebb right now. I'm hoping that means the opposite of the flow is coming soon. But I was able to connect it to everything, every career I've ever done previous has always centered around a tangible item. I mentioned I went to art school. I am a very skilled creative artist in pretty much any modality that I pick up. And I say that like separate from myself, like in a non, just objective, like you could hand me any medium and I can do it. And I really gained a lot of self-worth in that area because I had so much praise. When I was young, I did not have friends. I was bullied really, really heavily. 
and I no teachers liked me. They wanted me tested for ADHD. They wanted me to be out of their classroom or in like a supportive learning situation. And God bless my mom again. She was like, no, she literally just doesn't care what you're talking about, which was, <laughs> and <laughs> so I kept getting this message that who I was in myself and what I had to say was not important, was annoying, was disruptive, was not acceptable, but what I created and I could give to someone else tangibly was highly valued. And so I learned from that, from those repeated messages through my life, even up into working with celebrity clients. I mean, the amount of times I was dismissed mid-sentence or had a hand put up in my face, but they loved the food and couldn't get enough of it. It's like this thing that was external for me that I was creating and giving them, giving it away. But if I had something to share from my person, could care less. Mm. And I think that's where this bridge is coming from because this, this new phase for me is all about my intuitive downloads, what I can share, what my perception and what my gifts are for people and how my words can help change and bring around more perspective. So it's like a, it's, it's deep. It's going to take time. time. This just pings me with this, you know, remembrance and this acknowledgement of this is very much a feminine wound. I think that we're healing too around being seen and heard and perceived for who we are beyond again, the tangible and like creating beauty and being beautiful. This has been a huge thing that I've overcome in my journey too, is associating my worth with how I look and, you know, unraveling all of those things. And I think this is just such a potent thing that we're all working through. And even the witch wound, you know, I always remember that the word witch is derived from wise. And I love that shift because it's like, you know, it's a triggering word until you reframe the language. It's so interesting to study um, linguistics in that way, I guess. But it, it's just bringing up this memory of when I was in my QHHT training, one of the w women that we saw go through her regression, she was a witch and she had very similar quote unquote witch. She had very similar like intuitive gifts. And in her village, she was able to tell like when the storms were coming and when to harvest the grains and everything. And she had women friends like rat her out to the men. She got burned at the stake. So she carried that wound into the next lifetime of not trusting women, not using her gifts, completely dampening herself. And so it's like a revival of the voice. I love what you're saying about just like being valued for what, for who you are and your voice and like opening up the throat chakra and letting that shine. And like, this is a huge shift out of the patriarchy too, into honoring the wisdom that women carry on a cellular level as well. So there's just so much in there that what you're saying is I just see this in so many, all women like carry some kind of like wounding um, that I think it's so beautiful to see us growing out of in general. So tangent moment but yeah so important and I'm so glad that you said that because I forget about that like I forget about the issues and I don't I don't know I've I've never really had that connection to the larger like political side of it but I don't even is that or socionomical whatever whatever yeah. it is the feminism thing or just being a woman I, I know that it's there and I know that it's important, but it, I feel like there's a block for me. So I don't know if it's a past life trauma, but I, yeah, it's so interesting because most of my work too, men are really drawn to me. All of my clients are usually men 
and I feel really comfortable in the presence of masculine energy and and I think that it's really important for me to connect more deeply with the feminine and it's been coming up so you mentioned the beauty aspect and being seen or finding worth or possibly even being judged based on beauty and that came up in my same mentorship it was like the childhood being dismissed and then all of a sudden I'm talking about my beauty and it's a really difficult place because there's so many messages and I heard messages like beautiful people are cursed you can't trust beautiful people um just a lot of those like almost shaming and being called a natural beauty feeling like I always have to maintain this natural beauty and if I wake up and I look not perfect but it's my natural self I shame myself mm. and I like I can't wear makeup or that I can't dye my hair because I'm supposed to maintain this natural thing. So how can we, how can we just like continue to let go of these things? And I really think about that, but then like, where is it also authentic to me? Like, do I actually want to dye my hair? That feels like a lot of maintenance. I can't yeah. really picture myself doing that every six weeks. Like I don't really care that much but then like, I want to, to rebel and mm -hmm. it's, yeah, there's a lot there. I totally, totally am with you on what you're saying, especially about around being drawn to men and being in men's circles a lot. And I think for me, I don't know if you feel the same way. Sometimes it's related to safety. Like I've always lived with men. I've always had all men like housemates. I've worked with primarily men. Now in my mentorship series, I'm really actively attracting women specifically, but I put up, like I have a very masculine energy sometimes. It's almost like a shield so that they don't perceive me as sexually attractive. Like there's always had to be a boundary when I'm in a room with men. It's like, nope, they, there's a shell. There's a layer around, like you do not enter this. And in, in doing so, I almost wound the feminine I've noticed because I don't allow myself to soften and open up my heart because I'm actually more on a deeper level scared that they're gonna be attracted to me and like not see me or like it's gonna create a haze and I think that this is why so many women in general are masculine especially because so many of us are in the corporate world or luckily we're kind of shifting out of that but like very masculine patriarchal thing this is a very feminist conversation which I don't usually have either but it's interesting to think about how we behave because we're in a society very driven by men and we kind of emulate the masculine naturally or unnaturally but like where can we soften into the feminine flow more and like exactly like you're saying do you want to do this or is this something that's being told to you that you need to do so I guess this leads into a, a, another conversation too. You br briefly touched on your relationship with social media and Instagram and everything. So how are you navigating social media now in this world and how do you perceive this? It's definitely evolved and it's, I think it's always evolving because we're dealing with, the, it is technology, but it's also technology that's driven by people and money. And so how can we fit into this thing that like doesn't really want us there unless we are exactly what it wants us to be. And something that I heard recently was each brand has their personality. It's like a, their brand presence and Instagram right now is I, in my opinion, feeling like it needs to catch up to TikTok. I think most people see that and why it can't just 
be confident in being its own thing. I don't know, but it really wants the people that are on Instagram to be creating these very fast paced videos and having them using trending audio where everyone's doing the same movements. It's, it's like, you're just repeating, regurgitating the same thing in like really slightly different ways. And if you're making completely unique content while they say that they like that, it's you, I feel like I never really see that kind of content. I can, I don't actually know a lot about TikTok, so I can't say to that, but the authenticity piece for sure, because Instagram is copying TikTok. It is not authentic mm-hmm. like that, just on a basic level. And so what it, what that energy is, is I need to copy to be of value. And so then of course, all of its users are copying to be of value because it trickles down, right? And so I I don't care. Like I'm not gonna do a trending video that's that's not what I'm there for. Sometimes I think like my friend, she has her Instagram, I think every single day she gains like another 2000 followers. I am just because I care about her and I like watch and I look and I'm like, oh, there's another 1.7 thousand today. Like, but she's doing really cool, somewhat trending, but somewhat authentic. So some people, it works for them. For me, I don't care. And I end up getting to this place where I don't care. And I just use it as like a journal maybe i i put out what i want to put out if it does if it falls flat and it gets lost okay but a really powerful thing that i did about 2 weeks ago i went online on stories and i said you know what guys i am really disappointed in your lack of engagement if you are following me and you are serially every single day watching my stories and you never engage with any of the content that I post, you don't like it, you don't comment on it, you don't send me DMs, you're just being like a lurker, you're like lurking and watching me, which is creepy. And also, what are you doing with your time? Like, why are you passively consuming this information that you probably don't even care about? So I am going to start pushing people off unless you start engaging. The turnaround on that was so fantastic to the point where like my viewership went up. I had people applauding me for that, saying thank you for reminding me to be an active participant in my life. I lost equally a bunch of followers. I only had one person comment and say like, never in my life have I blah, blah, blah. And I just pushed her off and deleted the comment. I didn't even engage. But I'm so proud of myself because I was really nervous to do that. And I, a lot of like, oh, this is really bitchy. This is really petty. Like people are gonna view me as in this way. Why do I care? Like, is this really important? Just let people be them. And I was, I realized all the past relationships that I've ever had these toxic relationships with guys that literally could care less about me. And I was just this extra thing that like, oh yeah, oh, I forgot you're there. And I feel like I wanna go get pizza, do you wanna come? And it's like, I Instagram is also a relationship. I have thousands of people watching me every day and giving me nothing in return. So if you wanna be here, show up. 
because I'm showing up for you and you know that's why you're here. So the end. Wow, Tess, that's powerful. I have a lot of respect for that. And it's really interesting to see how that came to be because when I saw you post it, first I was like, not triggered, but I was like, oh my God, is she mad at me? And then I was like, you know what? She's just like, this is a lesson in not taking it personally. And she, and I think what, what you really boiled down to was so important, like be an active participant in your life. Like this is community at the end of the day. We're like creating community and networks together. So how can we help uplift each other? If you don't want to be here, like let's, let's purge, like, let's, let's figure this out. And I think that it's really beautiful that you honored yourself and like what you needed after all of those toxic patterns. It's like, you almost broke a cycle there with everybody else. You're like, I'm creating a space that like is for me, like, and for us, whoever wants to be here. And if you don't want to be here, don't. So I was like, very, very empowering of you to do that. And um, I think probably opened a lot of people's eyes, even if like myself, I'm looking at it, I'm like, whoa, it actually got me to question like, all right, where, where can there be like healthier, stronger boundaries and calls to action to be more participating um, in everything? So I know that was probably nerve wracking to do. And I applaud you for like actually doing that. And I love that you saw a turnaround that was like, so now don't you feel like you have a community that's tighter or like that you feel supported? Is that accurate? So accurate. And I've been booking more readings. I have been getting more testimonials from people. And for anyone listening, if this is piquing your interest in any way, take a look at how many people you follow on Instagram. Most people are following thousands of people. You do not see thousands of posts every day because the algorithm hides it. You also don't need to follow that many people. I follow, I keep it at a cap of 170, 170 accounts, because not everybody's posting every day. And that feels like something that I can maintain and keep up with. And that number will increase and decrease. And I go back and I actually, I don't want to follow this person anymore. I don't like their new content, or they said something that I found offensive, or it's just not my thing anymore. I've moved beyond that. It's like your clothes or cleaning your house. Like you have to maintain, otherwise it just, it gets overwhelming and it's actually hurting the accounts that you're following that you don't see or you don't engage with. And so if you can look at it like that of being intentional, like do I like and want to see this content? And if not, it is better for both of us that I don't follow them. Everyone's engagement would increase if you unfollowed people that you don't actually want. And that don't take it personally thing too. If you don't want to be connected to somebody and you feel obligated, look at that. Like, mm. why are you still following them even if you have them on mute so that they never pop up? Like, just get rid of it and then deal with if ever there's a consequence, which most likely they're not even gonna notice. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That's a big lesson in people pleasing as well. And I, I also keep mine around 300 because there's a great psychology exploration. I think Yuval Nassari mentioned this in Sapiens that we really can only handle 150 connections with people. It's like a tribal kind of thing until we're like, we don't know how to handle our community anymore. Cause it's like, once you broaden that, it's like, how do you even keep track or just like, there's something that happens there neurologically. So I think it's fascinating that, yeah, it does help to keep a tighter container and yeah, I mean, this is a much broader exploration of like cleansing out people and experiences in your life and, and being okay and knowing that you're not a bad person if you release somebody. And it's also like 
this is a form of dieting, you know, like, or just watching, like we watch what we put in our bodies. Like we want to nourish our bodies. It's the same with our minds. Like how, who are we consuming? What are, what energy are we consuming? Um, because we feel obligated to, and yeah, I mean, we could go into a whole nother thing about this. I've the huge lesson of this last year for me has been being okay with releasing. I've only had to do this with two people in my life. Like and the second person just happened recently where I really had to be like, literally block them, remove them from my life. And it felt like I was a bad person. It felt extremely uncomfortable. I was like, how am I not forgiving? Am I not compassionate? And I just posted this on my story. It's like, you can know where someone's trauma comes from. You can know that they've dealt with mental health. You can have compassion and forgiveness for that, but that doesn't mean you have to keep them in your life. Like, so that was my anecdote on that. But I really love that you're encouraging people to just take a look at who, what energy is coming into your life in every single way and be okay with those boundaries. So boundaries are so important. And that phrase of actively engaging or being an active participant, like it just keeps popping up this week, every single day. So how in all the areas, if you were to do like a cleanse or an, a, an edit or something of your life, where can you step in and actively participate more? Mm -hmm. Is there anything else that you do like in your home, in your life, that, like to cleanse the space, to clear the energy, to make sure that you have a sanctuary around you? I am very minimalistic. I, while I love symbolism and color. I'm very bright. I have a lot of unique art and things around me. I don't have a lot of items. And even my wardrobe could fit in like two suitcases on a plane type of thing. I think it comes from childhood stuff, but I find that I need space for my mind. I need, and this is actually a message that my angels told me to share earlier and I didn't get to it, but now is a good time that they need space too to come in. Mm. And if you are constantly busy or consuming things, watching TV, on social media, listening to a podcast, listening to the radio, if you are just busy in your mind, if you're overthinking things, if you're talking on the phone, there's no space for them to come in. It's like a radio signal. If you have all these stations scrambling around, your angels are just going to stand there patiently until the end of time. And that's the thing about them is time is different. It doesn't really exist. So they can just wait endlessly and with love forever. But also they have infinite messages to share with you. And so when you can take that time to slow down, when you can be sitting in your chair and look at a blank wall instead of having something on it, if you can sit and the singing bowls are great. They actually can come in through single notes, like extended single notes. If you're listening to a binaural beat, or if you're listening to singing bowls, or just that more constant ambient sound, they can come in through that. It's just the multiple things that it's hard for them. But so I keep my house and my space and my wardrobe limited. I'm constantly revolving that I will sell or give away things, donate them a lot. Um, about every two years, I usually sell everything, all of my belongings and start over again, because I'm changing all the time. Every two years, I'm a different person too. And so the things I'm going to be attracted to are different. And it really speaks to that impermanence and not holding 
any of your personal worth with a specific item. And there are certain things that are, I cherish and I will always keep with me, but my couch, like, yeah, it's a cool couch, but then I'm in this new space and it doesn't fit. And so let's move it along this dress that I like really loved, but actually, you know what, I'm not feeling it anymore. Let it go. So yeah, editing your life and keeping that space clean and available to receive is really important. Mm, thank you for sharing that, especially that part about stillness and uh, creating that space for spirit to communicate with us is so deeply important. And it's ironic, like we're meditation teachers, right? And I, I like, we teach all the time. I teach all the time, but I, I notice, you know, I'm not taking enough, like I'm not actually practicing as much as I could be. And finally on Sunday, which is one of my busiest days, I sat down to do a 15 minute meditation. And usually I'm really anxious on Sundays and Tuesdays, like today's because they're my busiest days. I did a binaural beat meditation for 10 minutes and I went through the whole day with the most ease I've had in months. I was like, what is going on? I was like, Helen, you meditated, practice what you preach, honey. Like, you know, the five minute, you know, sits are great, but like elongated stillness is like insurmountable. It's so valuable. So yeah, thank you for touching on that. So important. Oh my gosh. Well, Tess, I thank you for letting me cut in so much and chat with you because there's just so much I relate to you on and, and you're such a special, unique person. And thank you so much for being here and sharing yourself. It's just been so good to get into your layers a little bit more. So if people want to work with you, how can they find you? Where do you recommend they connect with you? My business name is Completely Golden. So you can find me on Instagram at Completely Golden, on my website, completelygolden.com. And you can always send me a DM. You can send me an email. If you didn't gather from my previous story, I love engaging with people. And so as much as you give to me, I will give back. If you want to start chatting on DMs, great. I would love to connect with you. And you can book a clarity reading with me if you are interested in seeking any kind of, um, well, clarity or needing just to traverse some kind of transition that you're going through or blockage and allowing space. If you want any help connecting with your angel spirit guides, that those divine energies, I'm also here for that. Amazing. Thank you so much. And your podcast too, right? Completely oh, golden. Yes. Completely golden. The podcast. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Tess. All right, my friends, thank you so much for being here and hanging out with us today. I hope you're feeling inspired and lifted and called to action in some area of your life. Of course, everything we chatted about is linked in the description below and hit us up on Instagram. Send us a message. Let us know how it's going for you, what's going on in your life. We'd love to connect. And there's also a free workbook that I've linked below for you as well. It's five tools you need to start your subconscious healing journey. So really fun workbook prompts and transformational workbook prompts really in there for you. And if you go to HelenDenham.com, you'll find everything you need to know about anything wellness, meditation, healing. I'm teaching multiple meditation classes a week, and I always make sure to have at least a couple free meditations in the mix every month for you. So that's all on my website. And if you've been feeling called to work with me, of course, you can always send me an email, a DM, or just apply on my website to start a mentorship, whatever you're feeling drawn to or called to. But I think that's it for me. I love you so much. Have a beautiful rest of your day or evening, wherever you are. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye for now.